see you here this morning. You can be seated. <clears throat> Please remember our time of soul winning, street witnessing. We're going out to share the gospel. Maybe everybody will get saved. Nobody, maybe nobody will get saved. We're praying that men do get saved. We're praying that God gives us an open door and ordained appointments to share the gospel. It's something we're called to do as a people, as Christians, whether we organize something or whether we just do it daily. I'm glad we can do both. We can share the gospel daily, and we can organize times and go out together. And uh, anyway, I just really encourage you to be part of that. If you've never done it before, come along and, and just walk, walk with us, pray with us, uh, shake hands, greet people. We meet a lot of children out there as well, which is really wonderful. We have some little uh, uh, salvation uh, bracelets that share the gospel, and you can tell the story. There's a lot of, a lot of things, whoever we meet. We want to, uh, to be salt and light, amen, and bring the gospel to them. So I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. Verse 13, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. I want to talk about this this morning. Not so much the false prophets, but Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. Transform does not mean totally changed, not rudimentarily, not fundamentally changed. Okay, not at the grassroots level. Transform means to transfigure or disguise. That's where the word Satan is transformed in verse 14. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He disguises himself is the best way to think of that. He, he transfigures himself. He's not changing his nature like the Lord is holy and holy through and through and always holy. And he changes not. Satan is not changing his nature. He's changing his appearance. He's changing his approach. He's changing your perception of him, or trying to. I want to talk about this this morning. I don't ever want to glorify the devil, and I'm not. But I want to talk about how does Satan seek to entice men? How does Satan seek to do it? I say it all the time. He was, he, in his pride, he was lifted up. He was this most beautiful uh, angel of the Lord, this archangel of the cherubims, and he was... He, in his pride, he was lifted up, and there was a lot of eyes in that passage, in those passages where I will be as the Most High God, and I will exalt myself above the Lord and set my throne, and I, I, I. And the Lord says, no, you're not. You're, gonna do, you're not going to do any of those things you think you're going to do. And he cast him down, and with his tail, he drew a third of the angels with him. How? They did, he would deceive them. He deceived him. He was beautiful. He wasn't dark. He was an angel of light, okay? Until pride was found in him and sin was found in him, and he was cast out. So what are some of his tactics? He's had 6,000 years dealing with men, starting in the garden, to, to uh, perfect his craft, so to speak. It's a good word for it, craft. Uh, what are some of his tactics, some of his devices and strategies I want to say this at the very beginning, that we as blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, children of Almighty God, we are to walk and given the victory over the enemy. We are to walk in that victory 
over our enemy. The word Satan, I believe, means adversary. That's like the definition of it. He's not for you. Remember that. Remember that no matter what he presents to your life, that he is not for you. He is not on your side. He does not care for you. Okay? And so, but as blood-bought children of God, we have been given and are called to walk in victory over our adversary, over the enemy. He's not a cartoon character. He's not a little, you know, Halloween. You'll see people in little red costumes with the tail dragging behind them and pointed horns and a pitchfork. That's not, that's not, uh, it, it looks comical. He's not comical, okay? He's not comical. He's real. He's a real adversary to God and to the things of God. But we have been given the victory and we're called to walk in holiness and to walk in victory and to walk in wisdom and to walk in the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit over the devil. We're nowhere in Scripture we called, I know it's an Old Testament Scripture speaking about Israel, but I don't think it's wrong to apply this to the church, that the Lord said to Israel, when you go in that promised land, you're to be the head and not the tail. Okay? God's people are to be the head and to walk in our head, the head of the church, Christ Jesus, <clears throat> over the enemy and over all of his tactics. Believers are to be the head and not the tail. Jesus said, and you can find many similar scriptures in Luke 10, 19. He said, behold, I give you, it's the Lord to his believers. Behold, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That's a pretty encompassing verse. I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The child of God is to be wise. The child of God is to be alert. The child of God is to be prepared. We don't go in half cocked. We don't go, get, go battle someone like the devil unprepared. We talked about it last week from 1 Thessalonians 5, and it dealt with the age in which we're living, the age, come, that day of the Lord that's coming upon the earth. And believers are of the day, we're not of the night. We're children of the day, we're children of the light, that that day would not take us unawares. And it says that the children of God are to, be, are to watch and be sober. Well, that would, that would pertain to any era of Christianity, but even more so in our day as that day of the Lord is approaching. There'll be a rapture. There'll be a falling away in these last days and a rapture and a tribulation and a second coming of Christ. But we're to watch and be sober and be prepared for the temptations of our adversary. I just want to read this to you. Lest Satan, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now he's writing to Christians, right? He's writing to believers. Satan's already got the lost people. He comes after Christians like we talked about in first, our first Timothy study last Wednesday night. And he comes after believers because he's after your faith in Almighty God. He wants to chip away at it. You can't knock it down in one fell swoop. He wants to chip away at it. Satan has desired to have you, Simon Peter, that he may sift you as wheat. And I know that I've talked about that word, but it's important. Sift you as wheat. If you've ever seen somebody sifting and what, you know, the good stuff falls through and the chaff stays up here and uh, you get the good meal and then you've taken away the other stuff. He, he's after that word sift uh, in the way that Jesus used it. That's the night that Peter was going to deny the Lord three times. Prior to that, he told him, 
Satan's desire to have you. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And guess what? His faith didn't fail. He had a moment, an regrettable moment where he sinned against the Lord. He came back to the Lord. He ended up dying for Jesus Christ as a martyr for the Lord. But Satan is after your faith, not just Peter's. He's after your testimony. He said, well, I'm saved. He can't take me to hell. No, he can't. But he can bring a lot of heartache into your life. He can ruin your testimony. He can do a lot of things that we are, end up repenting of and from that were unnecessary and not needed had we kept our eyes on Christ and kept our eyes on the Lord. He says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Advantage means to defraud or make a gain of. Satan wants to defraud you, and Satan wants to make a gain somehow of your life. Just like God wants to be glorified through your life, Satan wants to be glorified somehow through men's lives as well. He wants to get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Devices there simply means his plans, his mind, his intellect, his schemes. You say, well, I don't, I don't know Satan's plans and his mind and his schemes. Yes, you do. We know from the word of God. We know by the Holy Spirit, we know he's going to come and transfigure himself into an, an angel of light and try to entice us. And I will say this. I want you to turn with me. Uh, well, you're already there in 2 Corinthians. Look over at ver chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. And lest, Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, lest I should be exalted, Paul's well saved by this time, through the abundance of the revelation that, that, that was given to me, a, there was given to me in the flesh, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Okay, we'll just stop right there. What is the point of this? I want us to know that though God has given us the victory in Christ Jesus over the devil, we don't live in fear of Satan. Nowhere in the Bible are you told to be afraid of the devil. Nowhere. Fear God. How many times are we told that? Old and New Testament. Fear the Lord. Walk in a holy, reverent fear of God. But Satan, the Lord does allow. We see it right here. We definitely saw it with Job's life, and we see it right here in Paul. Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, we see that the Lord allowed Satan to get at Paul, so to speak. He says specifically, whatever the ailment was, a lot of people think blindness, but whether it was blindness or not, it doesn't really matter. There was something in his body. Paul had been used to raise people from the dead. Paul had been used to lay hands on, pe on people that were sick and they were healed. Paul had been used to cast demons out, and yet the Lord allowed, it wasn't a lack of faith, the Lord allowed Satan to get at something in his body. So let's say it was blindness. To, to give him horrible vision or no vision at all. And the, he says, Lord, three times he prayed, please heal me of this blindness. Paul had been used to lay hands on probably people that were blind and they received their sight. And he's saying, Lord, heal me of this. And the Lord says, no, I've allowed this to keep you humble. You've been shown things that every Joe Blow Christian has not. You have seen things that others have not. Unless you get prideful and I can't use you anymore, and it's a detriment to you, I'm sending this into your flesh to keep you humble. It does not mean that Satan had the victory in Paul's life. He most assuredly did not have the victory. God had the victory in Paul's life. And I just wanted to see that, pointed out that sometimes the, the Lord may allow the devil to come against us. So what does it mean a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him? 
The word buffet means, it doesn't mean kill and destroy or chop your head off with a sword. Buffet means to punch. It literally means to rap with the fist, okay? It's no fun to be punched. One of the other definitions says to box in the ear. You ever been punched in the nose or in the ear? It's not fun. It hurts. It makes you mad, probably more than hurts you. It makes you mad. And so Satan is not given the ultimate victory, but he is, has been given here with Paul a measure of the ability to touch him, to touch him within the confines of what the Lord said. When the Lord does that, he explained to him why. So he doesn't just leave us endlessly guessing. If Satan's coming against us, and Lord, your word says we rebuke the devil and he'll flee, and that's true, and we're to do that. That's to be our practice. Just as an example where the Lord allowed this, but ultimately, whose glory was it for? Was it for Satan's glory? Was Satan glorified through Paul's affliction in the flesh? He was not. He was not. We we didn't quite finish reading it. He said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee, verse 9, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Whose strength? The Lord's. This was going to be a strengthening for, for Paul, a strengthening of God's power in him. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And he says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ, not the power of Satan, the power of Christ may rest upon me. When the Lord does that, and I don't think it's just a normal practice all the time, but if he allows the devil or would allow the the devil to come in and touch us in some way and touch our lives as Christians, it is ultimately going to be not for our downfall. It is going to be for our strength as far as intention. What's God's intention and his purpose? And that's the one that matters. Satan's intentions may be very well. I'm going to, I'm going to, Paul's going to pray for sight and not receive it. And I'm going to steal his faith. That may be Satan's intention. God's intentions are different. And that's the one I need to know. That's the one that's going to prevail. That's the one that's important. Okay. It is for our strength and our benefit, just like every trial, if the Lord allows us to go through it, whether it's directly from Satan or not, every trial we go through is for our strength, that we would be built up stronger, tougher, our faith would be strengthened, and for the glory of God, always for the glory of God. We have this treasure where the treasure is the Holy Spirit. The treasure is Christ in us, in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It is his power in us and it is for his glory. So in every circumstance, in every situation, it is still for the glory of God, even if the Lord allows Satan some measure of power. I want to read this. I'll just read it from 1 Peter chapter 3. Speaking about Christ, who's gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. One of many scriptures, but it's good to know. We have it in the Bible. Angels and powers and authorities and powers, that's evil and good and light and darkness, all are made subject unto Christ. Always and always. So every circumstance and every situation and every trial and however scary it may look and however the devil may transfigure himself, it's still, he's still under that, that word authority being made subject means to be subordinate, to put under obedience. Satan's rebellious, and yet he's still contained under the Lord's hand. He's got him. 
Okay, he's got him, and he limits him greatly. And so God does allow things, but he calls us. Remember, his intention is not for us to fall or for our faith to fail. His intention is for us to be strengthened, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You know, he's teaching us, don't trust in your flesh. I don't care if you've been walking with God 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and made some great headway. Don't ever trust in yourself. Don't trust in your own Christianity. Trust in Almighty God, always. And this is what the Lord was teaching Paul. I mean, Pete, yeah, Paul through his infirmity, what he was teaching Job, and what he teaches us. He has no intention that your faith should be destroyed, that you should be destroyed, that you should fall away, that you should backslide, that you should lose your testimony for Christ. God has none of that as his intention or purpose. The devil does. His intention for you and me, we're told in the Bible that we stand, having done all to stand, that we stand against the wiles of the devil. We stand firm. We stand strong in Christ. We stand in prayer and in the armor of God. We stand in the victory of Christ, in Christ, and Satan is subject to that. He's always subject to Christ. So if I'm standing in Christ, the devil is subject to Christ in me, okay? In every circumstance and in every trial and temptation. So I want to get to this. How does Satan then seek to do it? What are his, some of his tactics and schemes? Remember, we're cast down, but we're not destroyed, Paul said. He comes against us. How does he come against us? How does he seek to come against us? Bible says, we read it, that uh, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Does he become an angel of light? Is he an angel of light? No, he's not. He's dark. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's wicked, okay? Um, but he transfigures himself into an angel of light. So how does he seek to get you to sin? How does he seek to get me to sin? And this is, this is it. If there's one thing from this sermon today, and you know it, but I'm going to say it anyway. His temptations are always presented to us as believers for sure. And I would say for, for people in general, the devil's temptations are presented to us as something that is for our good. The way he presents it, it's for our good. This is for your good. Well, that's a pretty good trick, isn't it? Just right there. That he, his temptations are designed to, in appearance, when they're offered to you and to me, this is good for you. This is good for your life. You need this. You want this. This will help you. I doubt the devil was ever successful in seducing someone by letting the individual know beforehand the consequences that would result. I don't think he ever, ever has been successful if he would let people know, anybody, the dire consequences that will result by yielding to his temptation, by giving into it. But we know from the word of God that the wages of sin is death. I love the way James puts it in chapter 1. He says, let no man say when I'm tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempteth any man. But every man is, in, is enticed when he's drawn, it's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, 
there. That's what Satan doesn't want to show you, that part. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Satan would never show you that while he's trying to tempt you to sin. Okay? He would never do that. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We all know the, the account. Not a story, it's an account. First man, the first woman, the first temptation, the first sin, and the first consequences of sin. <clears throat> this is the fall of man in a perfect paradise and environment in perfect communion with God. Genesis 3, verse 4. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Didn't the Lord say you could eat all the, tree, the fruit of the trees in the garden? Yes, we may freely eat all the tree, fruit of the trees in the garden, except the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of the good and evil, lest we die. We shouldn't touch it. She added to that in verse 3, lest we die. The serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Right there you got a choice. Who are you going to listen to? The Lord says the wages of sin is death. The Lord says, the devil says you shall not surely die. And God's holding out on you. There's something for your good that this good God has withheld from you. And you're just not aware of it yet. I'm going to make you aware of it and offer it to you. You shall not surely die. For God does know, so he's a liar, right? That in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree, that it was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay, the fruit presented by the devil, the fruit is good. It's a means, it's good for food, it's pleasant to the eyes. Right? It's all things that appeal to the carnal man. Sensual things. It's pleasant to look at. It's good for, it's not poisonous. It's a good fruit, safe to eat. And besides all that, it is a means by which I can acquire knowledge. Knowledge. I'll know good and evil like God, but I'll be independent from God. They didn't think about any of that stuff. It's a means by which I can acquire knowledge and possess knowledge and yet be independent from the Lord. I'll have what he has and I won't really need him anymore. I'll have this knowledge myself. So I'm going to just say when I speak of Adam and Eve, I'm going to just speak about man in general. Okay, The man sees only the thing presented the man, this is part of Satan's temptations and his skill, okay? The man sees only the thing right in front of them. Okay, it's a, tree, it's a fruit, it's good to eat, pleasant to the eyes, and on top of all that, it will give me wisdom to know good and evil like God and yet be independent from God. That's all the man sees, the carnal man sees. The Lord Jesus Christ sees Satan behind it. The man just sees the thing presented for his good, 
Christ sees right through it, and he sees Satan behind it all, and he sees the end. He sees the end. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave us the perfect example. He's our Savior, our Lord, he's God, he's all those things, but he is our perfect example as well. When he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights, fasted in the, in the wilderness, I just read it this morning in my Bible, he was among the wild beasts, the Bible says, and Satan came to him and tempted him because he didn't just look at the thing, bow down and I'll give you these kingdoms to rule over and so forth. Jesus seeing behind it and seeing Satan behind it was not deceived. And he says to Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He's able to rebuke him. Satan is going to seek to deceive you, to mislead you, to bring a proposition to your life. As Christians, we're not immune to it. That's why we're warned. That's why we're told to arm ourselves. Okay? That's why we're told to, uh, to put on a helmet that's able to quench the fiery darts of Satan because he comes after believers. Okay? That's why we're told not to be ignorant of his devices. I don't want to give too much attention to the devil, but I want us to give as much as we should give to the devil and understand what his device is. He's going to bring a proposition to you in your Christianity and in your, that to your humanity, not to Christ in you, but to you, your flesh, that is a good thing. To, to that flesh and to that carnal man, to that first Adam, it's going to be a good thing. So just know that. He's going to try to bring something. The first Adam, the carnal man, and we all still have the carnal man. He's not gone. We still have a carnal nature. Just tell me the last time you sinned as a believer. That wasn't Christ in you sinning. That was you in you sinning. That was Adam, that nature of Adam that's still present, but has to decrease that Christ may increase. Okay? He does not have the victory. He does not have the authority. He can't have, take one ounce of my joy, peace, holiness, anything if I don't give it to him. But if I give it to him, he'll take it. Okay? Even as a Christian. So that first man in you and me, we see only the thing offered. The second Adam, and that's how it's compared, the second man is the Lord from heaven. The first man is of the earth, earthy. 1 Corinthians 15. That's Adam. And we still have that nature. The second man is the Lord from heaven. He is in us. Okay? That second man doesn't just see the thing offered. He says, get that away from me. I know who's behind this. The devil's behind this. I'm not about to take it. Take that. The devil may say, uh, this is to enhance your Christianity. Are you a little burnout in your prayer life? Are you a little burnout and uh, everything's kind of stale? Try this. Try Christian yoga. Try Christian uh, lighting some candles and, and say your mantra. Just say Christian words like Jesus over and over and holiness or things like that. You know, and it's a, it's a snare. It's a trap. Okay, this will help your Christianity. Right, good thing. The, the second Adam, Christ in us, sees right through that. That's the one I need to heed. That's the one I need to listen to. Therefore, if you and I are carnal, if you and I are unspiritual, if you and I are immature and selfish, can a Christian be those things? Absolutely. Have you ever been those things since you've been saved? Immature? Have you been uh, unspiritual at times? Have you been selfish? Yes. If a Christian is any of those things, then we and we just want what we want, the devil won't give it to you. He'll offer it to you. 
I want what I want. And the devil will offer it to us, and he'll offer it to us as something for our good. For our good. You think it's important to be mature as a Christian? Absolutely. An immature believer will be much more likely to fall into something like this. A.B. Simpson says, never yet has a man or woman gone wrong. He means like going into sin. Never yet has a man or woman gone wrong without having a good reason for going wrong. That is from the human standpoint. So not only will Satan will present it as something good, he'll give you a good and yourself a good argument for it. He's crafty. We need to know it ahead of time. The thing's going to be beautiful and something desirable or helpful or even helpful for my Christianity when, it, you know, when he's offering something that's, that's wicked or not of God. And he'll also give you that in your flesh, not from the word of God and not from spiritual man, in your flesh you'll have a good reason for it. Not only did I do this, here's why I did it. Or not am I going to do it, here's why I'm going to do it. The, the temptation or what, whatever it is. I'll give an example. Stealing. Was it in the, in the Proverbs, I think? Or, or is it David or Solomon? I think Solomon. Give me neither, neither poverty nor riches, right? Don't give me either one. If I'm riches, I'll, I'll forget God and my maker. And if I'm poor, I'll be tempted to steal. Somebody that's poor and a Christian, and they, they uh, when Satan comes and says, look, that, that boss of yours, he's got money to burn. And you're struggling taking care of your kids. He's not around. He wouldn't even miss this little bit that you're taking from the workplace. He wouldn't even notice it. It wouldn't be any skin off of his back. And you are to provide for your family. This is Satan talking. Okay? You are, do need to provide for your family. They're not going to miss it. He's got more than enough. He treats you pretty bad, too, on top of that. But this will be a way to provide for your family because you're in a real bond right now. You are in a terrible financial bond. That's the devil. The Bible tells me not to steal. The Bible tells me. God tells me. He's my provider and will provide for me. But not only is Satan presenting it as something good, he's giving you a good argument for it. We could go on and on about it, but the devil sees you, you really need to consider all the good you're going to reap from this thing if you do it. He wants you to think about it, about all the joy and the, the pleasure and the benefit. After all, God wants you to be happy, doesn't he? This, this would help make you happy. He's a liar, okay? Compromise in business or some ethics to make a little bit more money. It's a compromise. It's a sin. It's the devil. He'll give you a good reason for it. Times are tough. The economy's tough. You're not getting nearly paid what you should get paid. You know, things, uh, the, the current administration has raised grocery prices because of the economy twofold. And, and you, you can, you know, make a few little compromises. Everything's good. You'll have money to, more money to give to the church. How about that one? You'll have money, more money to put in the offering plate. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. But he wants to present it as something good and then give you a good argument for it. We must be spiritual. We must be mature. We must be biblical. We're not going to be successful in resisting Satan's enticements and overcoming the devil if we're using our, only our human reasoning. 
The two thoughts for today. Number one, he's going, the devil will present something as though it's good. Always, always for your good. Second of all, you and I are not going to be successful in resisting that and overcoming that and moving on in life, okay, if we're only using our carnal reasoning and, that, and our carnal weapons and our carnal, uh, if we just meet the devil on that ground, so to speak, just my humanity against the devil's enticements, if I meet him on that level and with that thought, I'm not going to win ever, not any time, not one time. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Even to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and so forth. The Bible tells us that our strength and our power comes from the Lord. I just want to read this. He won the victory of the devil. I did not. I'm a partaker in his righteousness. I'm a partaker in his kingdom. I'm a partaker in his family and his inheritance. And I'm a partaker in his victory over the devil. So when I get off on my own, I still got the label Christian on me, and I still am a Christian, and I try to overcome a temptation in that strength of me, I'll lose every time. I stand in Christ. There's a little girl that gave her life to the Lord, and an older man was kind of making fun of her, saying, yeah, what are you going to do when the devil comes knocking at your door, little girl? She says, that's easy. I just let the Lord answer it. I let Jesus answer the door. That's how we need to, to be and how to, to, to think of it. We, don't, uh, we don't, uh, are not successful in our own strength. I want to read this. You know the passage. You, you could turn if you want, but it's Acts 16, verse 16. Paul in uh, Macedonia, there was this fortune-telling woman that was following him around from place to place. She didn't say one thing that was wrong. These are men of the Most High God, God and they tell us the way of salvation. Wow, that sounds pretty good to me. But it wasn't God. She was causing a distraction. She made it to a circus. She made it to a freak show and a sideshow. God didn't call her to preach the gospel. He called Paul and Silas, to pre or Barnabas, I forget who was with him at the time, to preach the gospel. It came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with, it, with a spirit of divination met us. It's, not, it's a, a demonic spirit, fortune-telling spirit. The same followed Paul and us. And he goes on to say, this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, and turned and said to the spirit, not to the woman, to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Whose power? What did, what did he use to overcome Satan? And it wasn't a temptation so much, but to overcome the devil. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, the spirit, came out in the same hour. Okay? And so it, it's not... It's not my authority over the devil's authority. It's Christ's authority in me over the devil's authority. And I'm going to bring this to a close. But Eve saw only the thing presented to her. Just the thing. And it was presented as good. Jesus saw the devil behind it. Jesus sees the devil behind it. And he warns us. And that's how we fought when he was tempted. Our Lord actually rebuked the devil. He rebuked him and resist him. He didn't consider his proposals. And as I bring this to a close, when Satan tempts us, our, our first reaction can't be, well, let, let me, you know, it's really not half bad what he's saying. Let me pull up a chair and at least hear me out. When a Mormon comes knocking at your door and you say, I'm a Christian, 
I'm not interested. We serve different gods. They say, at least hear me out. You have no obligation to hear them out. None. You don't have to be mean. But we, where the Bible says we don't bid them Godspeed even. They're bringing a false doctrine. A Jehovah's Witness comes to my door. At least, at least hear what I have to say. I see that Bible you're holding, that Watchtower Bible. I don't have to hear what you have to say. And I pray that nobody listens to you. I'm not pulling up a chair to the bargaining table and say, well, you know, let me hear you, at least hear you out. Be open-minded. I'm very closed-minded when it comes to the gospel in Christ. You want to be open-minded about new farming techniques or open-minded about better government or, or, you know, financial planning, whatever, go for it. Let's talk about it. Better way to catch fish when they're not biting. I'm all for that, okay? I'll talk about it, but I'm narrow-minded when it comes to Christ and the things of God. I don't, I'm not to give place to the devil. If I pull up a chair to the bargaining seat and talk to the devil about his temptations and weigh out the pros and cons, guess what? I'm already in trouble. I'm already in trouble. Not, not I'm about to be in trouble. I'm, I'm already in trouble. We need to know what we're against, what we're up against. We need to be spiritual and spiritually minded. There are not a bunch of ways to resist the devil and to overcome the devil. There's really one in the name of the Lord. I want to read one scripture and we'll bring this to a close. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 14. Now, as I've studied this passage, he talks in a couple of verses here about young men and fathers and older men and young men and children. Uh, as a more I've studied, he's not talking about actual age. He's talking about more like maturity in Christ. Okay, but let's, let's read just that one verse. 1 John 2, 14. I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning that's the Lord. You know the Lord. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. There's a couple of things that we're given to be strong, and the word of God abides in you. When, when Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was tempted three times in the wilderness, he was physically weak, but he was spiritually strong. Physically very weak, and yet what did he say all three times you know, get thee behind me. And he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. I know that we know that. But he used the word of God. And he's, John says, look, you, you, the word of God abides in you at the end of verse 14. And you have overcome the wicked one. You have to abide in Christ and his word dwell in you richly. That's what the scriptures say. We're also actually strong in the Lord's power and not our own. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do not entertain the thoughts of the devil your mind is not the devil's playhouse your mind is not the devil's workshop it belongs to Christ and we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds let him have it let him have it ask him to help you who doesn't have thoughts that go awry the thoughts that tend to something that's not of God and you say, where did that come from? It's a fiery dart that Satan fired. It's not a sin for the thought to pop in your mind. It's a sin if you dwell on it. 
to sin if you pull up a chair and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit right here and think on this for a while. You understand what I'm saying? That's when it becomes my choice. And so we have to cast those things down. Our mind belongs to the Lord. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in us than he or you than he that is in the world. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfastly in your own strength. Is that what Peter says? Whom resists steadfastly in the faith, in the faith, in Jesus Christ. We stand against, we oppose, and we don't hear him out. You don't hear him out. We already know what the devil has to say. He's a liar and the father of lies. And what he is presenting me is not for my good. No matter how enticing he makes it and attractive he makes it. I'm going to close a little bit differently this, this morning. God wants us to be strong. He wants us to be strong in Christ. He wants us to be strong in, for his glory, his power, his might. Don't take on the devil on this level, on his level, with your humanity. Don't take on the devil thinking, well, I have been a Christian long enough. I can handle this. You can't handle it. Christ handled him already. Well, I should be way beyond this, Bob, at this point in my Christianity. We can say all those things. Our, our strength has to be the Lord. The day you got saved, Christ was your strength. And every day between now and heaven, the Lord's going to be our strength. You don't have one break. You don't have one five-minute break where you think you can overcome Satan or temptation on your, in your own strength. You can't. So don't be a fool, and, and me either, and think that we can.